Welcome to episode 6 of the Puzzle Spossy podcast recorded on 23rd of August 2019. On this episode we look at this month's Salesforce tech updates, Salesforce buying click software, how Salesforce applies an incredibly simple data strategy to address gender gap and its crisis tip of the month. How are you doing Francis? I'm good, sitting in my house, which is a bit different from our previous podcasts. That's true. That's true. Usually we are in each other's uh, comfort zone. We're close to the mic, trying to speak into the mic. But uh, <laughs> this is a different setup for us. So uh, both of us are sitting in our house and trying trying out this fancy software Zencaster. So we shall see how that goes. Fingers crossed it works, and fingers crossed it's, it's recording right now. It seems to be. It seems to be. <laughs> <laughs> right. So this. In this episode, we are going to try a, a, a different format. So we're going to start with tech update and news. Is that right? Yes, yes. So I don't know if everybody's aware, but there is actually a collaboration group on success called uh, the Salesforce Success Salesforce Infrastructure or official Salesforce Infrastructure group. And basically every month they've started um, putting out a presentation and information about kind of the tech changes that are happening that are more kind of infrastructure and kind of core system changes. And uh, so we're just going to run through these. We'll put a link in the show notes to the group, but it is quite a you know, quite a good group uh, to find out what's going on. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't know about this. So is this just infrastructure <laughs> yeah. changes or is it platform changes, if you know what I mean? Yeah, so it's kind of a mixture of both. So we've got like the um, infrastructure improvements. Mm-hmm. So it kind of talks about org splits. So if your org is moving from one environment to another. So I know there's um, some of the European or kind of uh, Paris and Frankfurt uh, data centers. Uh, some of the customers are moving over to the London data center. Uh, so that's kind of happening later in the year. There's also um, like Commerce Cloud. It kind of tell, says there's a database upgrade that's happening as well as kind of uh, more kind of system maintenances. So when it kind of the announcements for when Salesforce changes their IP ranges or adds new IPs to the uh, mix, which could affect your firewalls if you whitelist Salesforce. Oh, it's great. I mean, it's great for the admins and the ops folks in your, in your organization who need to be on top of these things. Yeah, and also I think it's good for, it's got like the feature retirements in there as well. So you can see, you know, what's being you know taken out kind of later in the year. So things like the Salesforce mobile web experience is getting oh, really? ditched. Yeah, so it's being replaced by the Lightning UI okay, version, yeah. which kind of makes sense. But then also there's the group line API what's retirement. That? I have no <laughs> idea. Okay, you... Uh, so obviously it wasn't be missed, used that then. much. Well, uh, given on the um, the statistical uh, research of two people um, not using it, I don't know if other people know about this. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, no. I've never even heard of it. Okay, cool. So it won't be missed, at least not not by us. But also they've uh, but also they announced a customizable forecastings retirement as well, which I think I know. Oh, that's happening in this in the next release then yes, in winter twenty. Okay. Yeah. It was useful. I've used it once or twice, but I guess why they're retiring it because the other type of forecasting does everything almost. Yeah. Almost. <laughs> <laughs> that love-hate relationship with forecasting. Cool. I have so with are we, are we going anyway. to put a link to this newsletter? Yes, I'll put it. It's got lots more information in there, um, um, as well as the the feature other feature mm-hmm. retirements, and also they've got a presentation deck and stuff cool. in there as I'm well. Cool, check it out. Useful. Okay, so next we have so winter twenty is on the horizon. 
and basically it's time to get your sandboxes in the right state for the releases and so we've got we'll put a link in the show notes but you've got until I think six, the preview six, window no, six of september seventh six of september right yeah so now yeah so some of your sandboxes might get automatically upgraded others won't so it's kind of deciding what you want to do so it might be that you need to refresh within this refresh window or maybe not depending on which environment what do you tend your to do, sandbox Francis, is set as a best practice when you see these preview instructions do you tend to kind of make sure that all of your sandboxes are in preview version I think it depends. So if there's a major release happening, but also making sure that if you've got any critical change or, you know, you want some org set up that are still on your old version of Salesforce so that if you do need to make any critical changes that you can make them and promote them into your production environment. So, but also conversely, you may want to do regression testing on the new version of Salesforce. So I think it depends on different projects. So my rule of thumb is uh, I always, almost always try to refresh the dev sandbox or not refresh, ensure that the dev sandbox is on the uh, preview version, because I think that's where you can, you can try to find all of the issues and where developers are trying to build stuff and, you know, they can recognize any potential issues early on. So definitely the dev. Again, followed by QA, if I can, try to get the QA in the preview version as well. UAT is, it's a call I make based on, because UAT usually tends to be a full copy sandbox and refreshing that or setting it to refresh or the whole cycle yeah. sometimes takes a couple of days and uh, the business is in there doing testing. So it's, it's a call I make based on where we are in the development lifecycle. So dev and QA, I try to be on the preview version, but UAT depends. Uh, but we do, if we, if you're unable to create any preview sandboxes, then we just kind of create a separate one and try to test it. But then that means we are kind of going outside of our pipeline to do explicit testing, which is not ideal. I'd rather we do it as part of our regular development. Yeah, and I think also, yeah, I if, if, if I'm following that approach, I kind of have a... Mm-hmm. a uh, production support or whatever you want to call it that's on the same as production so you do have a kind of like a developer environment that you can develop in to push a critical update out into production without you know worrying that it could be a, an issue with yeah. the next release but i hear a lot of exciting things happening in 2020 uh i haven't read all of the release notes yet but uh, maybe the next episode or the episode after that could be about 2020 eh Okay, cool. Uh, well, I'm I'm expecting more yeah, confetti related related features. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, and that transitions very nicely onto a tweet yeah, that Todd sent out. Was it yesterday? <laughs> so he he was just, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so it's very hot off the press, this. Um, so basically, he was challenged at the London Admin User Group uh, to create an extension to block <laughs> the celebration path confetti <laughs> that's coming out in the release. And so he did. He's created a Chrome extension, so we'll put a link in the show notes. So uh, if you are very British and don't, you know, go into this big <laughs> celebration thing. Exactly, it's brilliant. And very, yep, you know, I've already installed it, Francis. No more, no, no more confetti for me. <laughs> oh really brilliant <laughs> absolutely exactly. yeah let's exactly. stop all this celebration and fun we're here to work oh brilliant yeah so we'll put a link to that uh very important <laughs> chrome extension uh but if you're using safari you're out of luck you're stuck with the confetti let's switch to chrome 
it's a better better uh, browser anyway. <laughs> yep, absolutely. Cool. Everyone uh, knows Chrome's better. Nice? So. Also, I did see there's a admin blog, and I saw Rebecca Starr had actually posted a blog about the new Lightning Object Creator, which is now generally available, which basically allows you to turn spreadsheets into apps with just a few clicks. Mm-hmm. So I think, yeah, for donkey's years it's always been this thing isn't it that um yeah, any spreadsheet can be converted into a salesforce object and you can put all the same stuff in there and you know spreadsheets are dead salesforce you know lives forever so this is almost like an extension of that but hmm. yeah yeah it's i mean just... I'm, I'm trying to understand the the utility of this so well it was never there so i'm, I'm sure at least in my experience nobody's asked for us uh, developers or admins to to create objects using spreadsheets uh but obviously that's my own singular experience uh but now that we have this i'm assuming the way it would be used is you could probably get the business users or the uh power the uh, the super admins to create requirements and spreadsheet and then use that as a format to then upload it and create objects so it could be kind of added to the to the development life cycle in which you kind of go to the business and say why don't you give us your requirements but then again i'm but uh, i'm not sure how we'll use this because data modeling is is kind of something that the tech team do the business kind of gives us the requirements so it's it can be it can be useful for for big projects possibly so it'll be interesting yeah. to see how people start using this yeah and also i think you know it's from what i can see there's not any kind of transforming of that data which inevitably you kind of have to do like the spreadsheet has hmm, that's a good know, point yeah addresses one field where you want to split it into multiple fields when you're importing it and things like this so actually potentially yeah is it yeah, more I mean, of a little bit it... of a sales thing rather than actually usable also it's not on the platform either it's actually you can access it by going to object-creator.salesforce.com so it's kind of like a separate yeah, so i'm guessing itself. it's using the metadata api or some sorts behind the scenes and can you can you delete fields because that could be a cool function or utility of yeah. this because sometimes you just uh, want to delete a bunch of fields and trying to do that by going to each and individual field could be painful so i don't know if this thing allows it to delete yeah i think this is literally just uh, mapping against what your you know either your google sheets spreadsheet or your excel spreadsheet or your office 365 so you can connect to google sheets and office 365 or drive or just kind of upload the spreadsheet into it and then do your mappings to your salesforce objects yeah and then creating obviously creating the fields and the objects and you know saying if you want to add them to the page layout or not and it will generate that generates the objects generates all the fields uh, and the page layouts if need if you've yeah selected to add them so it seems like you can add stuff but not remove them, which is a shame because I think deleting fields is a more common scenario, especially when you go in there to clean up someone else's work. Yeah. Mm. But you've got the, now all the new data auditing stuff on the fields, which is nice. You know, it's quite good. Yeah. Okay. So what's that, what else is in use, Francis? Is Celsius, uh, did Celsius buy anything today? 
<laughs> I think, you know, they're spreading the cash, you know. And yeah, and they've bought a company called Click Software. That is an interesting acquisition. Well, I thought Tableau is interesting because, you know, they already had Einstein Analytics and it'll be, uh, you know, we shall see how they integrate Tableau into the whole Einstein Analytics ecosystem. But Click Software is is a completely off-platform or it's a acquisition that they would have to spend a lot of time and effort integrating into the existing product suite. Uh, they already have field service lightning, which from what I've heard, again, I've not personally implemented FSL. So from what I've heard works well and is native. So this acquisition means they'd have to do more work integrating click software into the current platform. So I think 1.35 is just the... So what, what is Click Software? Oh, sorry. So, Do you know what uh, Only what I've read on the internet about it. So it's a field service software, and it was it, it's going right. to be offered under the Service Cloud umbrella. Uh, so Service Cloud, as you know, you know it, it has field service lightning and all of that stuff. So they're going to just augment field service lightning with Click Software offering. It was this company's been around since before. It was founded in 1997. It's been around before Salesforce, uh, and it went public in 2000. Then went private again in 2015, and then now it's acquired by Salesforce. They do have a large customer base, so my guess is one of the reasons for acquiring Click Software would be to acquire their customers. Yeah, that seems like a typical approach for tech companies recently. I've so noticed it does. Yeah, but then you know, I think Salesforce should have learned their lesson from Marketing Cloud. Uh, yeah, they yeah. acquired a, a software that was completely different from how their core platform or software works, and they spent I don't know maybe five six years just trying to get the two of the two things work together. It's 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 at a place now where the two kind of work in tandem and kind of feel like one cohesive software so it'll be 1.35 is just face value cost I, I can imagine them spending a few more hundred million or whatever in the next over the next two or three years just trying to yeah. integrate click software with uh, the fields of lightning i think it's also it's more you know is that cultural change as well like even you know marketing cloud still you know today is a little bit more of a not a self-implementing tool you know you can't get a free version to you know test play around in i get the impression it's a lot more still you know you get a consultancy in to implement it or you get salesforce in to implement it and you know marketing cloud do do that professional services so it is a kind of a different cultural yeah. change i suppose as well which takes time to change you know so yeah yeah well we shall see another day another acquisition so cool so that's uh, Salesforce acquiring clicks software and next up we have um well this is i want to switch to the alibaba news where sales alibaba is now going to be an exclusive provider yeah alibaba is going to be an exclusive provider of Salesforce crm in china so again this is you know following up on this acquisition i think the alibaba announcement came before this acquisition but it's an interesting approach for Salesforce to acquire customers in China. It's uh, Alibaba is like is the Amazon 
you know, it's probably bigger yeah. than Amazon. It's the largest e-commerce software slash platform in the world. And Alibaba Cloud is similar to or analogous to uh, AWS. So they are going to sell, be a reseller. It, what, what's not clear is whether it's going to be a reseller of Salesforce software or are they going to somehow host it and sell it to their Chinese customers, uh, sell it to the customers in China. I'm not clear. So um, my guess is they're going to be resellers. But again, it's an interesting yeah. arrangement of how China wants to acquire or grow in, in China. Uh, sorry, on how Celsius want to grow in China. So, so yeah, another one to kind of keep an eye on. So what, what else is happening, Francis? Uh, so there was a post that actually Business Insider posted about the incredible simple data strategy that Salesforce is using to address the gender gap and promoting an underrepresented minorities within the company. It's quite cool. It's basically just giving their leaders uh, or team members who are kind of employing mm -hmm. people or promoting people a scorecard to track how often they promote and hire women and underrepresented minorities, which is quite cool. So basically, that's improved their female to male ratio. So uh, it says that it was 30.1% two years ago. Now it's 31.6% uh, female to male, uh, female representation. Yes. So that's kind of cool. So I think, yeah, it's still more to work, still more to do, but it's a good you know, step in the right direction. It's interesting. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a simple strategy. It's brilliant because it rather than assuming and, you know, making implicit assumptions, they're just by tracking these things explicitly, they are trying to kind of create awareness of, you know, whether they're hiring uh, more female uh, or underrepresented minorities or not, rather than just assuming that we're doing it because uh, there's a, uh, because someone at the top said so. So by making this explicit and tracking it is, yeah. is quite, quite effective. And I guess along those lines, the next. But also, I think it shows that it shows to the person that it's that kind of unconscious bias of you don't actually know you're doing it, but actually to have a little scorecard, you can go, oh, wow. Mm -hmm. You know, I didn't even realize that I may have been, you know, having my unconscious bias to, you know, be employing men all the time or whatever it may be. So I think it's great to kind of for those, you know, to highlight that kind of unconscious bias as well. I, I hope they open source that scorecard or at least share it via Trailhead or something like that, a template. It'll be useful for other organizations to follow suit. I'm sure it is a Salesforce built app. <laughs> so, yeah. So, um, well, you know, if Salesforce is listening, uh, it'd be great to open source that app and we can all benefit from it. Absolutely. Cool. So I guess um, the next bit of news is related where they've hired uh, Dame Jane Ann Gardia to lead Celsius UK and Ireland. So she, she'll be the CEO for Celsius UK and Ireland. Uh, I think this is a great, uh, great hire for Celsius. Dame Jane Gardia, she's a prominent businesswoman here in the UK. She's ex boss of Virgin Money. She's got plenty of experience. Um, and she yeah. is quite influential in the, in the UK business community as well. So overall, a great hire. Yeah, and even she's quite influential. She's part of the board of the English, England's Financial Policy Committee, which is kind of a government committee as well. And I think also Stagecoach used to be involved with as well. So, yeah, so, definitely agree. Yeah, she's quite a very cool business. Um, will she be working out of Ireland or UK, London? Do you know? I'm assuming, because I think, isn't Virgin Money in London? So, don't know. I don't know. Okay. 
Cool. Right. So is that all the news we have, Francis? I think so. Is there anything more? I haven't noticed anything else big. Nothing for me. No, I think uh, we've covered the acquisition this month, uh, but we shall wait to see uh, you know, what other entity sells us acquire next month. <laughs> what next month is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so, well, I guess it's time for Francis's tip. Okay. This is my tip. My tip of the yeah. month. Um, so in the UK, um, we on BBC Radio 4, I think, there's a little segment from a religious leader to give you their thought of the day. So this is my thought of the month. Okay, so here we go. So when I see Salesforce implementations, you know, one thing that can really start to impact adoption is putting rules and validations kind of early in the process because nothing puts off salespeople more than having to fill out a load of required information just to start working with a prospect they don't even know is going to convert into a sale at the end of the day. And you know what happens, you know, well, they just don't put that information into Salesforce immediately. They kind of do it a bit later on in the sales cycle until, you know, they know it's going to be a sale potentially. Also, data quality and data enrichment within a Salesforce org is kind of an evolution. It could, you know, it should mm-hmm. evolve over time. And a user's experience of using Salesforce shouldn't be that you have to enter 20 required fields just to create an account or an opportunity record. It's a careful balance between data quality and enrichment versus user experience. But my challenge to you is ask yourself when you're designing Salesforce, If you move that kind of like account validation or business rule further down the process, so for example, users are only asked to fill out that required account field if they make it to the second stage of the opportunity process, would it be so bad? Would it really affect your duplicate management and data quality? Because really, if you can get that user experience, that kind of trumps it a little bit. One of the reasons why we kind of get in this mentality of, oh, must put the validations on the record where the data is held is because Salesforce, by its nature, is a record-based CRM and less so a process-driven CRM. People think more in records than in processes. So that's you know why this kind of seems to happen quite a bit. So for those companies that are insisting on that gold standard record at all times, you know, this is a worthy goal, but it's not kind of right in all cases, in my opinion. And yeah, once you've closed and won that opportunity deal, yes, I expect that account record to be as near golden as it can. The goal is to get to the gold standard quickly without impacting the users using the system. If there's something you need early in the process that could be hard to get, for example, requiring all users to enter a government-issued company registration number to help with deduping, then incentivize them to do it. Don't get Salesforce to be an information sucker, but an information provider. The moment they enter that company registration, bang, a rich set of data suddenly appears in Salesforce, giving them the incentive to get that information in early in the process. At the end of the day, putting resistance in the system just results in users putting data in Salesforce later down in the process. At the end of the day, I prefer some data over no data. Wow. No, that's brilliant. Uh, what really resonated with me was that uh, you're right that Salesforce is a record-based CRM, or at least people treat it as a record-based CRM than a process-based CRM. And all of the yeah. all of the functionalities built around that that model or way of thinking and 
it's useful to sometimes kind of move away from record-based processes versus you know people-based processes rather and uh, yeah yeah i i agree with uh with the step yeah and i find like with path salesforce path you know the adoption of that i, I haven't really seen it in many projects but that is key for moving this kind of um your your records into a process rather than field-based and i think this is with a challenge with lightning originally where people would have like 500 fields on a page and yep. actually at the end of the day, that's, you're never going to need all 500 fields at that point in the state that record is at that point in time, you know, put them into path and only show them when they're needed at different stages of the evolution of that record. And so I think that when lightning first came out, that was a bit of a kind of a challenge for adoption because uh, the speed and also actually you should be using path, you know, it makes your processes and your data look, you know, much better. And I'm guessing most, the number one reason for not using path is because it's only supported in lightning experience. And a lot of companies are still using classic and as, as they migrate away from, and this is one of the, is a good example of where when you're moving away from classic to lightning, you need to kind of stop thinking about the validation and record versus the path model, which yeah. focuses more on uh, the people and... uh, using such people process. Yeah. 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 So, so yeah, no, I agree. It's, it's an underused, uh, utility yeah. and should be used more uh, minus the confetti bit but Absolutely. now you've got the extension to block it so yeah. you can use part safely without worrying about yeah. confetti but yeah because um, at the uh, end of the day i want salespeople to be able to create an opportunity just like that you know don't have to put very mm -hmm. much information in so it's a holder but then later through the stages that's when your enrichment comes you know so it's not a barrier for them to start off that sales process okay brilliant thanks for that francis i think that's a very useful tip and a lot to think about Cool. Well, um, is there anything else? I don't think so. I think that's yeah, it. That's the it. end of the podcast. It is. Thank you all for uh, taking the time out to listen to to this podcast. If you have any feedback or thoughts, or if you want us to discuss a specific topic, please send us a note on Twitter. I'm at Anoop on Twitter and Francis. And I'm at Radnip on Twitter too. Cool. All right. Thanks all. And we'll see you next time. Bye. See ya.